God will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. To them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without law. As many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, The Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to chapter 2 verses 6 through 15 is the subject of our study on the unchanging word bible study today we appreciate you being here with us you can contact us by going to the unchanging word website and that is unchangingword.life there you can contact us by email today Dr. Mitchell is speaking of the verses of our study wherein he brings out three of the four grounds on which God judges people, whether they're moral or immoral. How will God judge? On what basis will God judge? Well, that is the question being answered here in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Well, if you will turn with us in your Bible to Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, here is our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Again, we come to you with our studies in the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 2. In our last lesson, we were speaking of the fact, in chapter 2, the first 16 verses, the, the ground upon which God is going to judge men. Allow me to be, to give one or two moments of review to pick up the connection with our studies. In verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wants to give to us the revelation of the righteousness of God. It's the folly of him doing this when men are so sure that they have a righteousness of their own. So the Apostle puts the gospel to one side and starting in verse 18 of chapter 1 and running right through chapter 3, verse 20, he's going to prove that all men... Everyone has 
is without righteousness. Man, of course, boasts about his self-righteousness, but God won't accept that. There is only one real righteousness in the universe, and that's God's. But man doesn't believe that. So, in chapter 1, from verses 18 to the end of the chapter, verse 32, you have where the apostle proves the, the sins of the, of the Gentile world. In fact, he just gives to us the history of the Gentile world in its sin, in its corruption, and of how God gave men up to three things. This was a positive act of God. He gave them up to uncleanness because they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image, like man, birds, quadrupeds, creeping things. Then God gave them up to vile affections because they changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. And then God gave them up to a reprobate mind because they refused to have God in their knowledge. So he didn't have too much of a task to prove the, the great Gentile world to be under sin, under the judgment of God, with no righteousness at all. And when he got through chapter 1, all the moralists and the religionists and the Jews all said, Amen, that's a true picture of these dear folk. But now he's got to prove something else. He's got to prove that the moralist and the religionist are just as guilty as the Gentile are broken in their outbroken sin in chapter 1. Uh, to do that, he follows along on a different ground. He begins to lay down how will God judge men. And it's very obvious that, first of all, God is going to judge men according to truth, which we had in the first five verses. And even though you may judge somebody else in your self-righteousness, you think you're better than somebody else. In fact, you take great delight in damning somebody who did certain things, especially if that is against you. Failing to realize that in condemning others, you condemn yourself because you do the same things. And this is so true. It's so true to the human race. And though this is true, we fail to realize that the very long-suffering and the very goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Why does God permit men to live on the earth because he wants men to come to repentance. Oftentimes, I've had people say to me, why doesn't God punish that fellow? Why doesn't God step into the picture and stop this business? Yes, you can ask all questions, why God does this and why God doesn't do that. In fact, what you're doing is you're sitting in judgment on God. You, a sinner, sitting in judgment on a righteous God not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, and you're blind enough to see that your very sin is being, is being treasured up against the day of wrath and the righteous judgment of God. Oh, I wish people could see this, that the more they sin, the more they're treasuring up wrath in the day of wrath when God's going to judge in righteousness. Now we come to the second ground whereby God is going to judge men, He's going to judge men uh, according to their deeds. And this is verses 6 to 10. And this is a solemn, solemn thing. Let me read these verses, 6, six to 10. God will, re will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Verse 10. 
glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Now, in between those two verses, we have eight and nine, where you got the other side of the coin. To them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, whether he's a Jew or whether he's a Gentile. Now, it involves the character and aim of the doer. God is not going to judge men according to one's profession. God's going to deal in righteousness, and he's going to deal with reality. And believe me, it's a solemn reality, because God knows your thoughts. God knows your motives. But to every man, now notice verses, verses 7 and 10. To every man uh, who by patient continuance in well-doing Seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life, glory, honor, peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. To every man, God in his righteousness is going to judge men according to their reality. And a heart that is trusting God is evidenced by perseverance in well-doing. These who trust the Lord, they seek for glory. They seek for incorruptibility. But how can they do that unless they're in touch with God? In other words, what you are in yourself is revealed by your actions. God doesn't deal with people in empty profession. And if your actions do not measure up to what you say, <laughs> You're dealing with God who is going to judge according to your deeds. He's going to judge in truth. He's going to judge in reality. Now, in verses 8 and 9, you've got the heart that's opposed to God, unbelief toward God, to them who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Then I read indignation and wrath and tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, whether Jew or Gentile. Now, this is the heart, this is the man that has no trust in God. He has no trust in God. Hence, his life is a life of evil. He yields himself to sin. And the result is going to be anguish and tribulation and wrath. Listen, this is not salvation, but divine judgment in view of works. And the attitude of our hearts to God is revealed by our works. He's not dealing with you're going to be saved by your works, but rather, he's going to, this is divine judgment in view of works. In other words, God is going to judge righteously. To those who are arrogant, self-righteous, self-will, going to do what they're going to do, whatever it may be, they're going to stand before God who is righteous. He's going to judge them righteously. For the man and the woman who is doing the best they can to live a life pleasing to God, God's going to judge them according to their works. He's going to judge on the reality of their life before him. Now remember, he is not talking on how to be saved. We'll get to that afterwards. He's, what he's trying to do is going to shut the mouth of men glorying in their self-righteousness, in their so-called boasted goodness, 
He's going to prove that when they stand before God, they're going to stand before a righteous God. And as our Lord said, you remember one day, the very thoughts and the very idle words that are spoken will be brought into judgment. You might fool me, my friend. That would be very hard to do. But you're not going to fool God. You're just not going to fool God. You tell me you're a good man, I'll take your word for it. But how are you going to stand before a righteous, holy God? So, well, I haven't sinned very much. It's not a question of the amount of sin. The very fact that you have sinned means there's unrighteousness in you. Would you be willing for God to blaze abroad the thoughts of your heart? The thoughts that never found, find expression in words or in actions? You mean telling me that God knows my thoughts? <laughs> 139 Psalm, the first two or three verses said, He knows our thoughts are far off. Friend, God knows the very innermost secrets of your life. Things that you are the only, the things that you think you are the only one who knows. Not another living soul knows what goes on in your heart and what you think. Not even your wife or your children. God knows. Would you be willing to stand before a righteous God and let God tear the, the veil off and let everybody see it? Oh, no, you say, keep it covered. Although you may not have said bad things or done bad things, you know, write down in your heart the things you would like to have done. And the reason you didn't do them was because of what the effect might be upon yourself or upon somebody else or upon your reputation. You're not fooling God, friend. You're not fooling God. You can fool preachers and people, but you can't fool God. God must judge according to truth. And God is going to judge every man in reality, not according to one's profession, but he's going to get right down to your very character, to the very depth of your being. And everything that is unrighteous is going to be judged. And remember, the wages of sin is death soul that sinneth shall die. But here he's talking about God is going to judge man in view of what man's heart is. We're dealing with divine judgment in view of works. Now the third ground of judgment is verses 11 to 15. He's going to judge without respect of persons. And of course this should be true. Verse 11 to 15 I read, for there is no respect of persons with God. It's just in verse 10, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. That there is no respect of persons with God. Now the Jew thought there was. And I think in these next few verses, 11 to 15, he's going to prove that the Jew is no different to the Gentile. And with God, there is no such thing as respect of persons. For as many as have sinned without the law, that's the Gentile, shall perish without law. As many as have sinned in the law, that be the Jew, shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now we come 
to a tremendous positive scripture. And I, I'm sorry to say a passage that has been greatly, greatly misunderstood. God is going to judge men without respect of persons. Or, putting it in another way, he's going to judge in absolute impartiality. There's going to be no favoritism. <laughs> By the way, do you know, whenever this little statement is used, without respect of persons, it is always used in the Bible with respect to judgment. It's, not a, qu it's a question of divine approval, whether Jew or Gentile. You remember in the book of Acts, chapter 10, when the apostle Peter went down to the house of Cornelius, a, a centurion, a Roman centurion, he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. See, now verse 13, let me read it. As many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. It doesn't say, as many as have sinned without law shall be saved without law. No, he's not dealing with salvation. Again, I come back to it. It's a question of judgment. And as many as have sinned in the law, that's the judge, the Jew, he shall be judged by the law. And then he adds this in verse 13, right on down through verse 15. The hearers of the law, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. I was going right after the Jew now in this connection. Verse 13 merely states the conditions of legal righteousness. Whether it's fulfilled or not, the law is to be obeyed, not to be just heard. In fact, here you have the apostle speaking for God. God repudiates Jewish lip service. You remember the Jews said, we're God's people. We have the law. Gentiles have no law. They're way out in their sins, but we Jews. God, God says, okay, it's just the man who the doers of the law shall be justified. Let me just stop here. You say, well, there you are, Mr. Mitchell, salvation's by works. No, let me tell you this. Very briefly, no man that has ever lived except Jesus ever kept the law. 1,500 years between Moses and Christ, the Jews had the law. <coughs> I know that they added to the law with their traditions. But be that as it may, no Jew ever fully kept the law. You take the best men in the Old Testament, and somewhere along the line, they failed God. No man except Jesus ever kept the law. The law was not given to save man. The law of Moses was given to prove that man was sinful. In fact, I would say to you, my friend, I don't care who you are, I'd say dogmatically, it's impossible for you or for me to keep the law of God from the moment we're born until we die. It's impossible. Why? Because we were born in sin. You see, well, God's forgiven me my past, and from now on I'm going to keep the law. Oh, you can't. I'll guarantee that even the Christians do not keep the law. And if you want to know what the spirit of the law is, not just the exact Ten Commandments. You go to Matthew chapter 5, and our Lord tells us what the spirit of the law is. Let me quote Jesus when he said, Moses said to you, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but, but I say unto you, if you look upon a woman 
and think in your heart. You look upon it at last. You've already committed adultery in your heart. The book says, Thou shalt not kill. That's what Moses said. But I say unto you, He that hates his brother without a cause is in the same category. See, the Jews were very great sticklers for the keeping of the law, washing their hands a certain way, etc., etc. Their hearts were far from God. As the, Lord, as the Lord himself said through the prophet, with their mouth they praise me, with their hearts they're far from me. No, friend. If you try to preach the gospel, and this is not good news, to say uh, the doer of the law shall be justified. That's true if you can find a man who keeps the law. And remember, the book also says if you break the law in one point, you're guilty of all. Cursed it is everyone who continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, we're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That which the Lord demanded we could never do. And I again repeat it, the reason for the law was to make sin exceeding sinful. When we get to chapter 7 of Romans, we'll go more fully into that part. Now then, what about the Gentile? So we come now to, to verses um, 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Why? Because God has written in their hearts. He's written the law into their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness, their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Questions raised then. Can the Gentiles, if the Jew uh, could not be saved by keeping the law because he was just a hearer, not a doer, what about, what about the Gentiles? Well, my friend, the Gentiles have no excuse either. We had that in chapter 1. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. The moral law has been revealed to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are responsible to do the right and not the wrong. Notice it does, it, what it says is, he that sins without law shall perish without law even though they had no revealed law, yet they had, they had really sinned because they knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. And if the Jew claims that the law will save him, then the Gentile can be saved by his law, but the Jew wouldn't listen to that. No, both Jew and Gentile are just absolutely equally guilty and must stand before God who is righteous. So God's going to judge men according to truth, with respect of works, and without respect of persons. I will follow along in our next lesson. The Lord bless you today. Jesus will be there always. One is walking with me over life's uneven way. Constantly supporting me each moment of the day. 
How can I be lonely when such fellowship is mine with my blessed Lord divine? How can I be lonely when I've Jesus only to be my companion and unfailing guide? Why should I be weary, for my path seemed dreary, when he's walking by my side? In life's rosy morning, when the skies above are clear, in its noontide hours with many cares and troubles near, or when evening shadows fall at closing of my day, Jesus will be there always. How can I be lonely when I've Jesus only? be my companion and unfailing guide. Why should I be weary, for my path seems dreary, when he's walking by my side? Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.